and welcome to Your Killer Life, where together we tackle the reality of surviving a killer diagnosis like cancer, and I help guide you through creating your killer life. I am your host, Tammy Grable Woodford, and in this podcast, we aren't leaving anything out as my guests and I share deeply personal insights and experiences as we talk about trauma, loss, treatment options, caregiving, side effects, money. Hey, we open it all up. In fact, we are even going into the forbidden zone to talk about sex, relationships, and mental health. Remember, the conversations you hear on the show are based on unique experiences and varying diagnoses, and we all had our own medical teams. We are not giving medical advice. So if you hear something inspiring, please talk with your providers. All right. Are you ready? I know I am. So let's get busy and start building your killer life. Hello and welcome to Your Killer Life, a podcast where we talk about the really real realities of a killer diagnosis like breast cancer with a focus on health, hope, and happiness as we build an intentional killer life. I'm your host, Tammy Grable Woodford, and I have a question for you. Do you carry around a three-ring binder full of medical records? I know I do. Every new doctor appointment. Well, if you do the same thing, I am here to tell you how to ditch the binder, access all of your records, even more than I had copies of in my binder, and easily share it with your care team. So we are going to have an amazing conversation today, and I am super excited to share this with you. Angelina, thank you so much for joining me today. And I am excited, so excited for this conversation. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. And first, I want to say thank you so much, Tammy, for having me on the podcast. So excited to be able to talk about Citizen and what we're doing. So really thank you for having me today. Uh, my name is Angelina Massa. I'm a project manager at Citizen. Been there for almost a year now. And my background is really in operations and project management in healthcare startups. And um, previously, before Citizen, I had worked on developing recruitment strategies for specific clinical trials. And now at, at Citizen, also work on patient recruitment strategies for different recruitment efforts and research, and just running the uh, sort of day-to-day operations and project management um, around the company. And my uh, background and academic background is in statistics. So really exciting to be able to work on like research projects that, of course, use statistics in them. So I'm always happy to be able to carry that with me a little bit as well. I love it. And I love that you said clinical trials. And I'll get into that a little more later. But having lobular, I'm one of those, uh, yes, second most common diagnosis, but also still considered rare and just really starting to get some attention and clinical trials being uh, acknowledged as an important part of that. But all right, so let's talk about citizen. And what is citizen? Who Who is citizen? Yes. So Citizen is a healthcare technology company where we help patients collect their comprehensive medical records all in one place through our platform. And it's all for free and always will be for patients so that they're able to access all of their medical records from however many institutions they've seen um, and been seen at for their care. We are starting really with breast cancer, so really 
have started in, in breast cancer and have worked with a few other diagnoses that we're starting to launch, um, the cholangiocarcinoma and rare neurological conditions. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more shortly, um, but we are all about helping patients access their own medical data and really take control of that and choose how they're using it, whether it's for coordinating their care or finding clinical trial opportunities or participating in research. So what we do is we work with patients directly to onboard them and help them place medical record requests at the institutions where they've been seen for their treatment. And then we go out and do the work to collect the medical records and make them accessible to the patient on the platform. And then we're able to do really interesting things from a research perspective as well, having that information on the platform and extracting sort of key uh, data points from the medical records is a really powerful thing to be able to do for research and helping to advance medical research too. Um, and only all data is only used if a patient does give consent for it to be used for, for research studies or things like that. So our hope is that we'll build this really empowering platform where patients are able to both take control of their medical data for their own treatment, but also use it however they would like to if they want to participate in research or share it to researchers. I love that. And I have to tell you, when I first heard about Citizen, and I have to thank Peggy at the Male Breast Cancer Coalition because she was telling me about this. And I was like, come on, okay, free, and I can get and I can access my medical records because as a patient, getting access to my medical records is sometimes a bit of a cumbersome process. And I did not get little to my knowledge. I mean, I knew there were things that I didn't get that were in, that were incomplete. They were sort of like patient-facing summaries. It wasn't the full records of data. And I joke, for those of you that are watching on YouTube or those who are listening to the podcast not on YouTube, I, I'm holding up what where I started, which is my little, you know, little, little notebook. We all start with as we get this news and we're, we're writing our panic notes. And then just for giggles, I also have what was, which is this behemoth of a three ring binder that I would take with me to doctor appointments. And I always at the front of it had sort of the, or, and I said had already, that's great. <laughs> I had the sort of like the important packet, right? Of things that if you're not on the same system, here are the things that you're going to ask me about that you can have your team scan and put into my record here at your facility. I went and filled out my profile on Citizen and within five days, my imaging had started to come in. And it was kind of amazing because, you know, Angelina, what I noticed is that not only did I have the few pages that are in my binder, but I had access to all of the imaging. And I'm six years out. And that was the first time that I saw my cancer. And it was it, it was an interesting moment. And I'm so glad to have those records. And it's also exciting to me to have the full record. And I was so amazed at how quickly it all started to come in. And so the fact that you provide this as a free service is really just phenomenal. And that you are giving, you're empowering us with this information, which is, which is so cool. So why did you guys start with breast cancer? 
great question. And it's really, you know, near and dear to all of our hearts, actually. Um, Our, you know, there's a lot of different therapeutic areas that we could have chosen to start in. And um, our our founder, actually, his younger sister had metastatic breast cancer. Her name was Tanya. And she unfortunately ultimately passed away from, from the breast cancer. And it's really powerful too, that she had actually passed away during the same year when Citizen was first founded. And she's really our muse at Citizen in terms of, you know, every day, we all have people in our lives. And even some of the people who work at Citizen too have had a tough diagnosis and cancer in particular. And my mom had breast cancer, so really close to my heart as well. Um, But we all think of Tanya in particular being our founder's sister. It's really an important mission to us all. And uh, since she had had breast cancer in particular, we thought it would be really meaningful if we started in breast cancer. Um, and also there's so many you know, subtypes as well, and really lots of opportunity for helping breast cancer patients access better treatments, navigate their care. And we thought that that would be an excellent place to start. And um, we're really happy to be able to now at this point, start moving into different therapeutic areas as well, but it will always be very meaningful to the team that we were able to start with breast cancer. I, I am so thankful for that. And I'm so sorry that, um, that the, that citizens founder experienced such a loss. And if I remember correctly, he also came, his background is technology, but can you remind me he was, was it also in medical? Yes. Yeah. So it's been a variety of sort of different areas, but he's really amazing. And Neil Sethi, he has founded six companies before citizen so this is his seventh one, and he's really an amazing entrepreneur and an amazing leader for the company and reminds us every day of how important this, this mission is. He, not all of the companies have been in healthcare, but one of the most notable ones called Glimpse, also with two eyes, just like Citizen. Uh, the, for anyone who doesn't know, the way that Citizen is spelled is C-I-I-T-I-Z-E-N. So it opens all kinds of, you know, we get a lot of questions or people forget. But when I first joined Citizen, I would tell my friends, joined this company called Citizen, it, but it's Citizen with two eyes. And they were like, doesn't Citizen always have two eyes <laughs> because there's two in the word? So it opens all kinds of little things like that. But so Glimpse had the same sort of thing, G-L-I-I-M-P-S-E. And Glimpse, uh, actually amazing, had been acquired by Apple and sort of powered Apple health records. So he'd worked there for a few years with that transition and then founded Citizen. And so not everything had been in healthcare before for him, but I think in particular with Um, with Tanya's loss and just going through the whole sort of treatment journey with her um, as her caregiver really showed him how important it is to make advancements in the medical space. So much is done with paper records, just like you were showing your binder. Um, it's, It's just tough to manage and shouldn't be that way when we have so many technological capabilities that we could leverage. So that was really what brought Citizen about. 
It's amazing because even when it's digital records, not everyone's on the same darn system. And so even with digital records and getting providers to share information between hospitals and your primary care or whatever, you still encounter barriers. So even in even though they say that we have left paper behind, the reality is there's a reason I have a whole big binder of paper, right? <laughs> it's because exactly not all systems talk to each other. Right. So um, tell us a little bit about how a patient signs up and also a little bit about data privacy and patient consent. And I think those are all in the same because I know that for me, that was a big area of concern, right? Like these are my medical records. And so they're going to be in the cloud somewhere and, and what kind of consent and am I giving anything away, anything of mine away in this process? And so let's start there before we get into how, how do you sign up? Let's talk a little bit about data privacy and patient consent. Perfect. That sounds great and is so, so important to the company is that patients feel secure in using the platform and knowing that we have the very best privacy and security systems in place and that everything's transparent with patients too about how their data is being used. Um, So maybe starting with the privacy and security piece, we have really invested since the beginning of building Citizen in making sure that First and foremost, patient data is always secured. And we have a a very long page on our website, too, that goes in depth on, you know, how we keep patient data secure. We use the very best um, security systems through AWS, um, Amazon Web Services, and we make sure that patients' medical records and all of their data that's being used, even identifiers, just having name, email, you know, all of that is so important to make sure that everything is really secured. And so that's always been a real focus for us as a company. And um, our one of our co-founders, actually, Devin McGraw, she is really one of our country's health privacy experts, amazing person to work with. Um, before she co-founded Citizen, she was actually the top-ranking HIPAA regulator under the Obama administration. So truly an expert in the space and gives us excellent guidance on how to make sure day to day that everything is locked down from a a privacy and security perspective and also um, from a consent perspective. So getting into your second question around, you know, how do patients know how their data is being used? All of our data is being used everywhere by so many companies every day. And we don't always know how it's being used or, or how the company is benefiting from our data. We're not always aware of that. So uh, especially with healthcare, you know, really sensitive information in your health records, we want to make sure that patients always know how their data is being used and empower people to, to really make the choice on whether or not they want to share their data with different parties. So um, first, during our onboarding process, which we can get into as well later when we're talking about uh, how people can sign up for Citizen, but right at the beginning in our onboarding process, we will ask patients if they do want to do what we call our blanket research consent, so an overall consent to whether they want to contribute their information in their Citizen profile once we collect those medical records and contribute that to research studies. 
So those would be with citizens, research partners um, who are interested in, in running studies with our patients or population, the group of patients who we have, um, you know, collecting their medical records. And really, we like to think of it as a, a community of patients and researchers who are all working together to advance medical research, which is so important. So uh, patients have the choice from upfront during onboarding to decide if they want to do that or if they don't. Either way, the platform is totally free for patients to sign up and use to collect all of their medical records into one place on the platform and uh, coordinate their own care. So if they need, you know, like the electronic version of the binder, you want to just have that and not share it for anything else, that's totally fine. Um, so, so I'm really happy that we were able to set it up that way so that patients totally have the choice we're not only allowing patients to sign up if they are sharing their data for research, anyone is able to, which is great. But um, in addition, we're, we're also happy, this goes to your, your previous point around just being able to get all of the information from different systems that don't necessarily talk to each other in one place. Uh, of course, like each medical institution really has great privacy and security for their own information and will often have the, the patient portal where you can log in and see um, your medical records. And so we often get the question from patients why, you know, why they have to sign up for this system where they could be, you know, they're worried about privacy and security and, and just wondering like why they would have to do this instead of just using what's already um, in in their portal. And the answer is really that, like you said earlier, you're not able to get every system to talk to each other. So it's nice to be able to work with Citizen and put in all of your medical record requests across the different institutions you've been seen at. A lot of patients have either moved cities over the years or have gone to, to several different institutions, even within their own city or have had genetic testing, for example, at a different facility. So we're able to get all of that information into one place and just securely store it there and allow patients to choose how they use it from there. You know, it's interesting because I remember at one point with a new primary care provider at a new facility, and it's not too uncommon. I'm, I'm about an hour and a half outside of Seattle and most of my care was in Seattle. So when I'm actually, you know, not having cancer specific treatment, I was, you know, local and I'll never forget <laughs> screenshotting a my chart note from my plastic surgeon to upload the screenshot into the my chart for the general practitioner, because even though it was all electronic, there was, there was no communication, right? Totally. Yes. Absolutely crazy. So one of the things I appreciated when I went through sign up was really the friendliness of the patient consent. And I was one of those that said, sure, I am absolutely okay being um, part of, you know, trials and information. Part of that was because I felt secure in that too. Can you um, kind of elaborate on that a little bit, that if you do through the patient consent process and onboarding originally, initially say, sure, you know, I'll share my information. I, Tammy Rabel Woodford, am not who they're seeing associated with my records. And how do you manage that? Because I know you will be able to explain this way better than I can. Awesome. Yeah, such an important question because one of the things that patients will often ask as well is, 
Like I do want to contribute to research, but don't necessarily want my, you know, name attached to things or, or to a, you know, research study or to have researchers see my name and identifiers. So of course, a best practice in the industry, you know, when we're working in real world, real world evidence Mm -hmm. studies in particular, we are providing patients data from their citizen profile to be studied in aggregate. So really important that each individual patient's identity is not shared with the researchers. So what we do is we will strip all identifiers from a data set before we provide that information over to the researcher so that you will remain anonymous as a a patient on Citizen's uh, platform. You will, there may be like demographic information, especially in self-reported uh, for example, we do some self-reports, like surveys and things as part of some of our studies. And so there may be demographic aspects, but anything that counts as uh, PII, so the real identifiers, like your name, any contact information, all of that will be stripped from the data set. So um, each of our data sets is called de-identified so that none of none of those pieces of information will be included before the the information is then shared with researchers. And then anywhere in our system where your identifiers are attached to your information is securely stored and totally limited access so that um, it's always kept kept safe for you and you'll remain um, anonymous in that way. That's fantastic. And it made it so easy for me to make that decision. And I love the fact that even if I didn't choose to do that, I still would have access to my records, access to the portal, the ability to have all of my records in a, you know, (laughs) to go from a three ring binder to basically my phone and sharing a link. So you mentioned real world evidence. What do you mean by that? Yes. So real world evidence is something I'm really passionate about working at Citizen uh, and something I didn't actually know a lot about before I joined. So uh, definitely an emerging field and excited to get to work on this each day. Um, But so real world evidence or RWE, as it's called for short, since that's uh, a mouthful, Mm -hmm. um, is, is the basically area of research where you look at secondary data or it could even be patient reported. But the whole idea is that rather than say in a clinical trial setting, that's highly controlled. You have patients coming in for regular visits, going through an active you know, treatment often. Um, that will always be sort of the gold standard for how we test the safety and efficacy of new cutting edge treatments in humans. So clinical trials are are sort of the gold standard there and probably always will be. Um, But real world evidence is the practice of really studying the actual data sets outside of that sort of setting, which allows us to really um, be able to move faster and look at larger data sets because there aren't so many barriers to entry, say, as with a clinical trial, um, so that we're able to then take a large data set and really see what the trends are and how um, you know treatments are working or certain demographics are responding to treatments in the real world. So the idea is really that we're able to you know move research 
almost faster or look at even more specific research questions by taking these, these broad data sets um, that patients either share through a platform like Citizen or that's pulled from their uh, medical record um, or provided by um, the patient themselves. There's uh, patient-reported outcomes will be recorded within you know, surveys that patients can complete as well that can be put towards this type of research. And um, really, an, it's an emerging field. Um, super exciting to see, you know, platforms like Citizen also be able to power this type of research and really bring together diverse patients as well. Um, of course, diversity is a huge issue, a huge, huge issue in healthcare in particular. Um, and, and it's just so important that we're able to get a critical mass of patients who are usually understudied, uh, put into, you know, research studies to make sure that everyone is, is involved in that type of research and that it's representative. And so um, real world evidence research is, is really a great step in being able to make research studies more accessible um, and just overall be able to study like larger sort of data sets without um, requiring a clinical trial setting. And the other thing is that, so I always talk about clinical trials a lot because that's my, my background, but um, with clinical trials in particular, there's so, so many inclusion exclusion criteria in every clinical trial protocol goes on for pages, very, very wordy. There's so many reasons why patients can be excluded from a protocol, um, whether it is, you know, comorbidities or certain treatments that you have been on in the past um, or currently on. There's so many reasons why patients wouldn't be able to participate. And so it's really a controlled environment when you're on a clinical trial. And so by the end of the, the clinical trial studies, you get to a point where you need to be able to see how the treatment is working in like mass populations for, for all, including patients who were excluded from the clinical trials so they never were, were studied with it. So real world evidence comes in and allowing us to really see like what's going on in the real world once people are actually being prescribed this, this medicine. And um, so one actually interesting a study that we've just started working on is related to this in um, in COVID-19, actually, so very relevant. Um, and the idea with the study that we're working on is that people are being vaccinated all over the country at a really fast rate, which is awesome. But a lot of people are still hesitant to get the vaccine or aren't sure about how the vaccine will work within their bodies. And especially in immunocompromised populations, cancer patients in particular might be worried about whether the vaccine will really protect them from the virus. And so we're working on a study where we're going to be um, working with blood cancer patients to see what the antibody levels look like um, in their bodies after the vaccine and before the vaccine. And um, it, for example, if, if somebody has already had COVID, um, but we'll be studying those different levels and how they vary over time um, and really uh, being able to follow patients longitudinally and get this data collected that could help them in the short term, but also will help us 
um, advanced research into longer term by understanding the impact. Um, so really excited about that study and how relevant it is to right now um, with the vaccine rollouts. I love it. Okay. So that is so much information. So I want to pause for a half a second because I want to make sure that I'm, I am tracking this. So citizen has free for breast cancer patients. And I forget the other two that you mentioned, but medical records, basically a portal where you can have all of your medical records. You will help us collect them and they are all there um, for us to access. And we can share that information with our own providers if we want to. And we, I, I think we might not have touched on that, but it's a share link. I noticed because I was looking at it. So we yes, can share that. Yeah, the care team share, we call it. So we have the care team share, which is fantastic. And so that's sort of one element. And then you have this next element that is this real world evidence where you are able to, now with the real world evidence, are you looking at all of the data or is that still only the data if if I say you can look at my data for real world evidence? Yes. Yeah. So that will always be only if patients have consented to contribute their data and their citizen profile to research. And we actually offer the option to, if at our onboarding, you don't want to commit yet, you can, um, you know, decide later. There's no pressure to choose up front. Um, but also if you want to say no to the blanket consent, then we'll also give patients the opportunity later. If a research study comes up that they're eligible for, they could choose just to contribute their data for that study if it sounds interesting. Um, So we want to just always make sure that patients are in the know about how their data is being used. And if they do want to sort of, you know, contribute it to any research studies that come up, then um, the blanket consent option right up front at our onboarding is great. And actually, most of our patients do select that, um, but it will always be the choice of the patient. And even if your, your data is used for a study, if you've given consent, um, you'll actually be notified in the form of receiving a payment. So this is something I didn't touch on earlier. A lot of platforms like this, or even if you're just working directly with providers, uh, patients will often be charged to collect the records since it is it can be very difficult, a very um, sort of tough process. We lovingly internally call our team who collects the medical records, our Sherpa team, because they really do the heavy lifting and hard work to go out and collect these records and stand up to providers on behalf of the patient to make sure that they're collecting the full records. Um, But we, um, wait, I'm so sorry. I forgot my train of thought. Oh, no, don't worry. So there's just so much. So we were talking about payment and, and that's interesting too, because, you know, as a patient to feel like I have any control, especially as a cancer patient. Okay. Because like, that's the first thing that you feel goes out the window is any kind of control over anything. All of a sudden you're on the cancer train, you're being given options to choose from that you would never choose for yourself. And it's, you just feel like you're stripped of any kind of control. And then I also cool. know that, you know, with some, some medical <laughs> consent forms I've signed, it's entirely possible that my tumor tissue made its way to a lab somewhere and, um, you know, without my knowledge and that that's something that can, can happen in the medical industry. And so it's so interesting to me that with citizen, not only do I have control over my medical records and how I want to share them and whether or not I want to participate in trials or in real world evidence, but then you guys also do this thing where you further empower patients through some sort of compensation 
population. And I found that to be kind of crazy because nobody does that. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's definitely, you know, it can, ha- it's common that patients might be charged whether they want to use service to collect their medical records or go directly to providers. And we would just never, never, ever want to charge a patient for that service that are core of our business that patients are going through enough. They don't need to deal with the you know time and effort of reaching out to providers, but also monetary costs. Um, so it will always be free for patients. And in addition, we want to make sure that the value of the of, that you're creating for research with your medical data is then given back to you in some capacity. So we share some of the revenue from our research studies back to patients so that if your data is used for a, a real world event study or engagement like that, then you will be be paid for that. And so, so these amounts are, you know, significant too. We've had um, research studies where we would pay a patient for $25, could be up to $100 or $200 just for one project and one research research project, whether there is, um, whether the patient is even contacted or not uh, to do something for the study. So we, what I mean by that is that there will be times where, you know, patient has already given their consent. And so we'll share their information with a researcher. And then we don't want to just sort of hide that in the background. We want the patient to know that they're data was shared, even though they haven't taken an additional sort of step for that particular study, we want them to share in the value. So there's sort of this mentality in the industry that patients should only be paid the amount like of effort almost that they put in. But what we, we want to do is really share the value that they've created. And there's immense value in sharing your medical data as part of a research study. So um, that's why we we care so deeply about making sure that not only patients aren't paying us for the service, but also that we pay them for the value that they have created there. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing to me. So how does citizen data then end up? And you've kind of ta- you've kind of talked about it, so I could kind of stitch it together. But I wanted to ask the more specific question of how does the citizen data contribute to the real world evidence? Great question. So how it works is that with most real world evidence protocols that are put together, there will be some specific criteria for who is eligible for it. So similar to a clinical trial, but the the criteria will usually be much less stringent than a clinical trial. Um, so, so what will happen is that the, there's a certain study design and research question to each real world evidence protocol and, and study. And what we'll do is, is look for the patients on the platform who are eligible for an engagement and contribute their data for anyone who has consented. Um, we would put that information into a data set that's that's sent to the researchers to ultimately use to run the analysis. So it can vary a little bit based on what the research question is, but there will usually be criteria such as diagnosis, always important, um, and also staging. There could be some studies that are focused on the metastatic community, for example. So not every patient will be eligible for every single study, 
but we'll identify um, the group or cohorts to go towards each one. And um, I, ha I haven't even talked about this yet, but we have a very in-depth um, data extraction process, which is a huge part of our business and operations and just what's really innovative about our company. Um, so what we'll do is extract the data from the medical record and put together that data for the study cohort into the data set that's ultimately delivered. So I'll talk a little bit about that process because I think it's super interesting. Um, we have, you know, even in electronic form, medical records will still be hundreds or even thousands of pages. So it, it's super helpful to be able to just have access to that in PDF form um, via the platform, but even that can really be overwhelming still. So what we do with each patient who onboards to Citizen is once we receive the medical records, we go through a data extraction process from those records to pull out the really important pieces of information along with the dates tied to each of those pieces of information um, within what we call the cancer summary. You might've seen in the top of your profile, or if you just signed up, it, it might not, not be there yet, but there's a cancer summary that we will publish as soon as we have collected the records and um, extracted the, the data. And the way that it works is we use a machine learning pipeline to go through uh, really scanning all of the records that we have, which can be thousands of pages per patient and really overwhelming amounts of information in there. And um, it will produce all of the statements of, of information that's relevant. So, you know, diagnosis, uh, molecular type, histological type, things like that, comorbidities, medications, and we'll pull out those pieces of information and then have two rounds of human review as well. So we have a lot of great medical expertise on our team and a whole team that goes through and reviews that information to make sure that it's accurate for each patient before their cancer summary is posted. And um, then, you know, on the patient end, what it looks like in our platform is that you can click through. It's a really nice user experience. It's an easy to use interface. You can select which pieces of information you want to look at and then link directly into where in the record that statement was found. So instead of sifting through hundreds of pages, if you want to see where your staging took place, you could click on the stage. We call it an entity, like data variable. You could click on, so the stage entity. And um, first of all, it would it would show any of the, the times where you've received a, a certain stage or results. Then you could click on each of those pieces of information and it'll pop up with your um, records in the exact place where it showed up, which is really just great for being able to, to click through um, and make sense of the information. That's amazing because I will tell you already for me, just going through the records that are coming in and you're right. I mean, you know, 50 to hundred pages per document that has come in. And, and then of course, you know, there's the imaging and the imaging reports. And so that is amazing that you all are able to create a summary for those of us using the platform. Yeah. And, and it's really great too, because that extraction process serves a dual purpose both for the patient, you're able to, to use that interface and also pass it on to doctors. Like you said, we have the care team share where you, if you want to share your entire medical records with another provider, you're able to do that. 
Um, and then they would be able to see that information as well and, and click straight to the pieces of information that they are trying to look for. So the extraction process is very important for what patients are experiencing when they're using our platform, but it's also how we put together a data set that then goes to the researchers as well, because we're extracting all of the key pieces of information. And then for example, you know, stage would be one of those that's probably included in a data set for a real world evidence study. So we've extracted that piece of information, tied it to um, that, that patient, and then we include that within the data exports. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. So we talked about the medical records component and we have talked about real world evidence. And then your background personally is in clinical trials and you've mentioned clinical trials a couple of times. And so it sounds like that's sort of the third pillar, third leg of what you've got going on at Citizen. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And this was one of the reasons I, I wanted to join Citizen even. It's just, it blows me away every day. Um, but we have worked so hard with an amazing team to put together really incredible clinical trial matching technology. And we just rolled it out, making it live to the breast cancer and cholangiocarcinoma communities um, starting in 2020. And what the technology does is takes all of the clinical trials that are available on clinicaltrials.gov so I don't know if you've personally used clinicaltrials.gov, but it is very hard to use and navigate. And so what we do is instead of making patients, you know, sort and filter on the website and then try to read through every single trial and figure out what they qualify for and then look for location sorting, such an overwhelming process. And like I mentioned before, there's just so many IE criteria for every trial hard to navigate and understand what you would be eligible for. So our goal is to help patients move away from having to search for their own trials and instead be handed a report that includes all of the clinical trials that they are a fit for. So we'll match against all of the 500 plus uh, clinical trials on clinicaltrials.gov that So breast cancer, let's take breast cancer as an example. There are over 500 trials that breast cancer patients could be eligible for. And we've actually also added a few hundred more that are for any patient with a solid tumor could be eligible for those as well. So we're even including trials that you might not specifically find if you're looking for breast cancer only, uh, but breast cancer patients are eligible for them. So we have this really comprehensive database. And that's how we start. We have this team of annotators who will go through every single protocol, um, navigate the clinicaltrials.gov information, and then code it into a format where we're then able to match their notes against all of the information within your cancer summary so that we can do a direct match to figure out which trials are a fit for your specific um, for your specific medical history. And um, for me, you know, working in a, I really have worked in clinical trial, like recruitment processes for a while now. And what's always been tricky is that pre-screening components, um, especially working off of sort of patient report, which is often how clinical trial matching services work. 
it can really be tough for patients to recall every single thing. They might have never even been told certain pieces of information that would be needed to figure out if they're a FET or not for a clinical trial. So the challenge is always getting access to the medical records so you can see um, you know, that information and really have the source of truth of um, all of the, the medical history. So just so much power in having all of that information for yourself on the platform with Citizen and then being able to use all of it to figure out which clinical trials you might you might match to. So, so that's how it works. We go through the matching process and then we create a report that's delivered to patients where they can see the whole list of trials that, that could be a fit. Um, and it will include also sort of a tiering system where we're not going to say that every every trial that's on there will be like the perfect fit that matches against all of your information. We'll actually highlight if there's, you know, we'll highlight the best fit matches at the top of the report, but also show the ones where maybe we're missing, like you would need a, a lab test done or something like that to determine if you're eligible. And so those are the types of trials where patients might not even know to look or, or wouldn't otherwise see on, an, on another service that that's an option for them as well. But they might need one more piece of information to then um, be a perfect match for the trial. So our goal is to give as much information as possible about which trials are the perfect fits and which trials could be a fit and why. That's huge because clinical trials feel absolutely elusive and cancer cancer land has its own language. And as someone who is newly initiated, especially when newly diagnosed and, and frankly, while even while you're going through it, you're constantly trying to keep up with all of the information coming at you with regard to your diagnosis, your subtype, and all of the different variables that have to do with your unique body and your unique cancer. And so it's amazing to me that you guys are able to take that information and and have streamlined that process to be able to cross-reference because it can feel a little hopeless and overwhelming if you're trying to figure that out yourself as a patient. And then not all doctors and hospitals participate or even know. And so it seems like mm-hmm. that it's almost sort of you have to be uh, I don't want to say lucky or or fortunate, but in, in a situation where you're in an environment with a provider who's in a nurturing environment for clinical trials in order to even know the options or if there are options. And so this is amazing. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I can take no credit for developing that that technology. I'm just eternally amazed by by how they brought that together. But I totally agree. It's so important that patients know about all of the trials that are out there that could be a fit for them versus just what's available at their institution. Um, And how are doctors themselves even supposed to know every trial that could be a fit for their patients? You're not going to memorize 500 different clinical trial options and their in-depth protocols. So it's just you know, it was such an important area that technology could help with versus relying on traditional methods of sort of, you know, remembering different protocol criteria and then enrolling patients from a specific trial site into it. So important that, you know, knowledge is power and patients should know which 
trials they're eligible for, whether it's at their own institution or another one. And I would also think that, you know, as a patient, some providers are, are better than others. And I don't want to, you know, ditch on um, providers here. But when you're a patient bringing information in and you're a provider who's already overwhelmed with your patient load for the day and a patient says to you, I might be eligible for this clinical trial, I can imagine that it might be received differently if you're able to bring all of the information to the table, which is, it sounds like this report would allow you to do. So, so you have, as a patient advocating for yourself, it is yet one more tool to substantiate your position and your needs and to use in your uh, advocacy toolbox. Exactly. And we've actually gotten great feedback from doctors as well in those settings where patients do bring this as a tool to to one of their appointments with their oncologist and they bring in the reports. We've only had this, uh, the tool live for less than a year actually, but have gotten great feedback from patients who bring the report to their oncologist and they say, where did you get this? And are blown away that the service exists. So I just think it's so exciting to get that kind of feedback too from real expert oncologists who are really amazed at how this is working and that how granular the matches are too. So that's been a great thing to see both for patients. It's really valuable and a great tool, just as you said, in your advocacy toolbox, but also um, for doctors, it, it can be a tool as well since um, they won't always know every single trial that's out there. And if a patient comes into an appointment empowered with their list, saying which of these looks like the best fit for me, it's a great jumping off point for a conversation with your oncologist. And it's so awesome because it's also um, such a seed for hope, I think, is an, is another, um, you know, yes, advocacy, but also hope. And you just cannot underrate the importance of that. So totally. you guys... You have you have your real world evidence. You've got the medical records. You've got all the work that you do with clinical trials. You have it sounds like a, a relatively labor intensive because you are double checking, cross checking. So you've got your your AI, but you've also got humans that are actually going through mm-hmm. the process and double checking that the AI is correct. And so I guess that next question I have is how how is this no charge for the patients? And and yet not only is it no charge for the patients in some way. In some cases, it can even not only provide some sort of remuneration, but also, and I don't think we touched on this, the the end result. So you're not just sort of um, giving the information away and hoping for the best. But if I understand it correctly, if I participate in a trial, I also get feedback on the other end of that. Is that correct? Yeah, so great questions all around. And actually, very similar to what my mom first asked when I joined Citizen, um, she had breast cancer herself and had experienced a lot of this, but just access to information can be so difficult and just tracking everything that's going on when you're already dealing with a diagnosis and navigating your care. And the first thing she asked me when I was all excited telling her about Citizen was, how is this free? You're going to get a lot of questions from people about how this is free. Um, And she was so right. That's one of the first questions that patients often ask and almost raises skepticism, even though it's great that it's a free service, it almost makes you wonder what's the catch. And the amazing thing is that there's no catch. You 
um, you know, the way that we're able to make it free for patients is that we work with researchers to run these studies and the researchers will pay citizen for the information that we are able to provide that data to be analyzed for the study. And then from there, we're able to share some of that um, revenue back to the patients themselves, which is great, but it also powers the rest of the business. So everything that we do um, through all of our operations teams to collect the medical records, to extract the data and do the levels of human review, all of that is really powered by our research partners and clients who are paying us in order to, to power the research. And so on the patient end, patients often will choose to contribute to that research. But once again, it's not um, it's not a requirement for patients if they don't want to. So that's why we'll often get patients who wonder, how could I sign up for this and get the benefits, but um, you know, not be paying for it. So uh, that's sort of the first part of the question. And then were you also asking for clinical trials in particular, if patients get a benefit after participating in the or trial? The information. So do I, do I have access to the overall results from that clinical trial or will that be shared with me? Or is that just sort of, you know, not that I've participated in one yet, but let's say I participate in the one that's coming up that we'll talk about in a second, um, which I do plan to do. Um, do I have access to what the results of the trial or or the study would be? Yes. Okay. Great question. So for real world evidence studies, one of the exciting things uh, about our platform and the model is that we will be able to share back information after a study is complete. We will, um, you know, ultimately there will be publications at the end of each study and we'll be able to share with patients that they made a contribution to research that was powered on citizens platform. And, you know, here's the results of that. Um, with clinical trials themselves, we unfortunately don't have that sort of level of, of power to be able to provide back the information about the, the clinical trial performance itself, because each clinical trial will still be operated by the specific, you know, pharma company that's, that's sponsoring it. And so in those cases, it's highly, highly regulated, um, and, um, you know, pharma companies typically aren't able to give that interim feedback back to patients as they're participating in the study even. Um, so, so that's one area that's really highly regulated and patients won't necessarily know the results. But with real world evidence, they, there will be you know, publications out there that are, are using citizen patient data, which is super exciting. And um, patients will know as part of Citizens Platform that they've made that contribution versus for other companies in the industry that often be extracting data from your medical record without your explicit, like you've given informed consent, like via a platform sort of thing. So right. um, the information, like your your data might be out there being used in research studies and you have no idea that you are one of the 1,000 patients who was included in that cohort, um, for example. So it, it's a really cool thing about Citizen, in my opinion, that patients will be able to get some level of feedback, at least from the, the research you know, surveys and real-world evidence studies that they participate in. 
And then on the clinical trial end, they will receive their full report that shows all of the clinical trials they could be um, eligible for. But then what happens post randomization or enrollment into the trial will be sort of run separately. Like citizen isn't involved right now in like the operations of running any of those clinical trials, but will help connect patients before they enroll. Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. And that is really exciting, actually, and totally get it on the clinical trial side. Absolutely makes sense on the real world evidence side. Having <laughs> having the ability to A, give permission in the first place and B, potentially actually see the end result on anything is kind of amazing when you think about it. So I love that. So the I just want to give the URL, but I but I do have another question or two for you. Um, so for those of you that are listening, it's C-I-I-T-I-Z-E-N.com. And if you go forward slash your killer life, that lets them know that you heard it here, which is always awesome. And that's where you can sign up like I did and start to get your medical records all in one location. That is not a three ring binder on a shelf somewhere. And a question I had, I have global listeners, and I know somebody is going to ask this question. Are you United States only, and it, do you have a roadmap for looking ahead to maybe other countries that you may be uh, working with? Yes. So at the moment, we are only based in the United States and running this this whole sort of service for patients who live in the United States and have received care at institutions in the United States. But we do hope to expand to countries across the world as soon as we can. And we do have a roadmap for sort of how that will roll out and how we'll be able to expand citizen to and open up to patients in other countries. Um, the Right now, probably the best way to express your interest would either be to still um, sort of enter your contact information on Citizens page that you just provided the URL for, or to email us at support at citizen.com. So if patients email us directly, really with any questions, always happy to help um, with anything. Even if you need support while doing the onboarding to Citizen, if you are in the United States or just interested in when we'll open up in your country, um, you can always reach out to us at support at citizen.com. Awesome. And I have to tell you, I'm embarrassed because I forgot her name already, but you're onboarding um, the person who helps with onboarding. Her picture is in the... Yes. <laughs> She's amazing. And I did have, because it threw out, it was one of the labs that was like, we need more information. And I didn't expect to encounter a human in this process, right? Totally yes. expected it to be pretty much automated and to actually have customer service. And I can only imagine how important that can be, especially if I think back to when I was first diagnosed versus now, um, you know, with overwhelm and fatigue and coming out of surgery and prescription medications and all of that stuff to have an actual human as a resource where needed through onboarding, I thought was really amazing and just incredible that you guys do that. Oh, I'm so glad. And when we did uh, make our last update to our onboarding flow, that's when we put in her photo because who who better to be the face of citizens onboarding than Mikkel? She's so wonderful um, to work with and is um, one of our support team. She really leads support. So it, any questions that that anyone has, definitely reach out to to her there. 
Um, I would love to make one note on the onboarding about that driver's license step. Yes. If yes. that's okay. So most of the onboarding process, you know, super straightforward. You'll just answer each of the questions that are on there. We ask patients to fill in contact information, fill in the providers who they've seen um, or institutions that they've been to for their treatment, questions about diagnosis, things like this. So super, you know, straightforward, self-explanatory, but the the piece that we always get the most questions about is the driver's license stage. So I'd love to give a little bit of background on that. Um, if you do go to citizen.com slash your killer life, you will see that through the onboarding, you get to a point where you're asked to take a photo of your driver's license and then provide your signature. And particularly people who sort of just come across citizen and then start going through that process are wondering what's the company asking for my driver's license, very secure piece of information. So that is the the piece where patients have the most questions. So just wanted to to talk through it. The um the what comes with working with the HIPAA right of access, which is what we leverage on behalf of patients to be able to then go out to their providers and collect the records, is that we need to provide uh proof of identity. So if we were to just go out and say, we need your records from the provider, they're not going to give it to you without a rigorous uh, process for, for verifying the identity. So that's why we ask for usually the easiest form of identity is taking a photo of the driver's license. So that's why that's a piece right at the beginning during the onboarding, since it's required for any um, any record request that we make to institutions will require that we have that ID and signature. So um, that's just one piece I wanted to clarify and give people a heads up about. You know, I was thankful that you did from my side because, you know, if that wasn't something that was required, right, then it seems like folks could just have accounts opened up and and records collected. Totally. And, yeah. So I was relieved at that extra step that of verification on my end. And then of course, as my records started to come in and I saw the request as the cover pages and I saw my driver's license and my my signature that exactly. kind of looks like, you know how it is when you sign on a computer, kind of looks like my signature. Um, it all absolutely yeah. clicked and made sense. So did you want to take a few minutes and talk about the upcoming study and kind of what that is and when that is and and whatever information you can yes. tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we've talked a lot about real, real world evidence. So excited to share a real upcoming opportunity um, called the Breast Cancer and COVID-19 Research Study. And this will actually be kicking off this week. Uh, so the week of March 8th, patients will be able to start participating in this study. And the first step is really that verification and setup of the of the citizen account. And then the second piece will be completing a study questionnaire where once again it will the data will be de-identified, but you'll be invited to fill out a 20-minute long electronic survey that would be emailed via a secure link. So um, patients will basically fill out their um, questionnaire providing information on how the COVID-19 pandemic has 
impacted their lives and their treatment. The one clarification is that patients don't need to have had COVID-19. Um, just breast cancer patients were really interested in the main research question here with this study is how the pandemic itself has impacted patients with breast cancer, because obviously there have been huge interruptions to care, to screening, to, tr to all treatments. So we're really interested in sort of quantifying that impact and hearing patient voices in expressing their experiences during the pandemic. And so that's really the goal of this study. And it's a great example of what we talked about earlier, where um, the power of real world evidence is that we're able to um, take information from a patient's citizen profile. So that's what's called the secondary data, and then connect that to patient reported data to have this really powerful connection of medical record verified data along with patients' experiences, how the pandemic has made them feel, how it's impacted, you know, have they been seeing doctors like this, if you assume, or just like how has it impacted their lives? And so um, really interesting study questionnaire, and we'll be linking together patients' um, citizen profile data with the patient responses and um, sort of analyzing that as a whole to understand the impact of the pandemic. So that will be, this is great timing as it's kicking off this week. And um, hopefully members of your community will, will participate. Um, one thing to note here as well is that it will be for patients in the United States in particular um, who have been diagnosed with stages one through four uh, breast cancer. And even if not a current diagnosis, um, patients who have been either in treatment or monitoring at this time um, will be eligible to participate. So really excited to have this launching this week. I am excited that there's a study because I can tell you in the survivor groups, you know, the things that I'm seeing that, you know, delayed reconstruction, delays on getting in for scans and appointments. I myself have delayed it. I'm like, I'll just do my scans in a few months, forget about it. It'll, you know, and so it is definitely impacting and, and especially on the reconstructive side, which is interesting. So I'm curious, I think this is going to be an amazing study. And I'm hoping that many of my uh, fellow breast cancer um, girlfriends and, and, you know, girls and guys, gals and guys fill this out because this is, it, it has been quite, um, I don't want to say damaging, but I, you actually could, but it's been, it's definitely had a noticeable impact for those with breast cancer, which is the only community I can really speak for. I'm sure it's impacted many other communities as well. So that's totally. exciting. So, okay. So again, that URL and everything will be in the show notes. And just a reminder, you guys, the show notes on YouTube will have the links. And then of course, on the website at yourkillerlife.com and the show notes on your favorite pod player, all of them will have the links, the URL. It is citizen with three eyes, I guess, <laughs> which is yes. C-I-I-T-I-Z-E-N.com forward slash yourkillerlife. And that will take you there. If you have questions, 
lessons along the process. I can tell you from personal experience, for me, it was as easy as hitting a button and reaching out. The support was amazingly fast. So that was also something I didn't expect. You know, sort of, you sort of expect, especially in a chat or something that it's sort of a, we'll get back to you tomorrow kind of thing. And could have just been my timing, but y'all were absolutely amazing. So, I'm so glad. Yeah. So before we wrap up though, is there anything else that you want to talk about that you want to leave us with Angelina? I, you know, I think that this was such a good, such a good discussion. And I really thank you for, for welcoming me onto the show and also for you individually being a part of the citizen community that really, you know, means so much. And um, so just really want to thank you for the opportunity, but I think we've had a great you know, conversation covered a lot of bases. I have a tendency to really talk a lot and throw a lot of information out there. So thank you for, for bearing with me. And it's been so wonderful to get to talk to you. Oh, thank you. So much good information. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And this is, I'm not kidding. I actually sent a note off to support. I think you might've seen it where my subject line was, I could cry because I had never had this much access to my information and to have it at my fingertips and not have to beg and plead, but it just showing up has been Uh, you know, kind of life-changing to be quite honest. So I am such a huge advocate and I have been a huge self-advocate all through all of my treatment. And man, I wish I would have had this in the very beginning when I was first diagnosed. I really think it's a game changer. So thank you. And please thank the team for all that they do. For sure. I will. Yes. That's so great to hear. Awesome. And as far as you, my listener, oh my goodness, thank you so much for listening to Your Killer Life. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and more importantly, share so that we continue to help each other advocate and to continue to inspire one another. For more information about what you heard on today's show, check out the show notes, as I said, or visit us at yourkillerlife.com. And don't forget to join us for a live after the show conversation on Clubhouse Wednesdays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. And if you don't know what Clubhouse is yet, it's the newest, greatest, like we needed another social media app, but we have one and it's all audio. So you're actually talking with us live. So real conversations. Last week, I had a Fabno, also known as a naturopathic oncologist on. And um, this week, we've got even more fun stuff. So be sure to join us out there. And until next time, keep building your killer life. Thank you for listening to Your Killer Life. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about what you heard on today's show, visit us at yourkillerlife.com or visit our YouTube channel. You will also find us in all the usual places on social media. We have another great episode queued up for you next week. And until then, keep building your killer life.